you think about the profound influence of the Bible on the world, the way that it has shaped our culture, whether you're a follower of Christ or not, it's probably a good idea that you know at least what it says. It's going to be about us taking and reading the Bible. All right, welcome back to the Take and Read podcast. I got LJ back in the studio. Feels good to be back. It's been a while. It's been a good minute. It has been. Uh, <laughs> you, you think about all the, the time that goes by and the weeks and even months that have gone by, and yet we have not emerged out of Mark chapter 9. Still in it. We're still doing it, baby. <laughs> I love it. Just slowly but surely, steadily. I'm curious. I haven't really kind of charted out how many episodes it's going to take. Yeah. But here we are, episode 45, and we're still kind of finishing out chapter 9 of 16 chapters. So yeah. it's probably going to take 100 episodes to get through yeah, that's this. That's a beautiful thing. That's fun. All right. Well, how you been? Oh man, it's been so good. So, um, wrapped up the summer stuff. That was good. Getting into the school year was great. Um, we're getting our weekly programs off and running. Yeah. And so this, this time of year is it's ramp up time. Yeah. 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 So our Wednesday night program, kids on mission, uh, it feels like a slow start. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, it's like we're sprinting. Yeah. Um, but it's fun though. Like it's, it's a blast. Our leaders do a great job there. Um, and then we had an event called reality weekend for, uh, fourth and fifth graders. Hmm. Talk to them about getting real. About yeah. What's faith. the goal of something like that for fourth and fifth graders? Yeah. So, so with this event, it's our second time to do it. Like I want them to know that their faith in Christ is real. Hmm. It matters. It means something. It's helpful to them. Jesus is a real help to them. Mm -hmm. in their everyday lives and then for them to get a better grip on real real world relationships right yeah. like we're talking boys liking girls girls liking boys what do you do with that should you jump into relationship in fourth and fifth grade of course not but they you know a lot of them don't know that and then they have like crazy questions being fourth and fifth graders how do you balance the tension that that you feel or maybe you don't feel this tension but there's a sense in which you are a called pastor, gifted, set apart for this particular role in the body to yeah. shepherd. Your area of leadership and focus is kids, but you're a pastor. Yeah. So you pastor adults and kids and the like, and, and same with me. Yeah, yeah. However, your area of kind of emphasis or focus is kids, but there's a a partnership with parents that exists. Yeah. So there's going to be those parents that just drop their kids off and expect you to kind of just do the, the full range of discipleship. How do you manage that tension? Yeah. Oh man, it is, uh, it is the most challenging thing in my position. Um, you know, what I see from most of our kids, it scares me that uh, kids have tons of out, like tons of opportunities to be involved in different types of activities, right? Like, if we wanted to, we could have our kids in something every day of the week. Mm -hmm. We could go piano, gymnastics, baseball, whatever. And then right there at the end, we can throw in some Jesus. And I think what's, what I see happening is, you know, Jesus is part of your life. You need Jesus to have a full life. Right. 
but we're not talking Jesus as the foundation of life. And so the way that I tell kids all the time is if you had a puzzle piece, if your life was a puzzle, you have all these different pieces of the puzzle, like family, friends, school. And then a lot of the times when we view Jesus, we think Jesus is like just a piece of that puzzle. And if we don't have them, we can't have a complete life, a complete mm. puzzle. And then I pick up a desk in front of them and I'm like, no, nah, man, Jesus is the, the, the tabletop that your life sets on. Like he's the puzzle that your life sets on. <laughs> you can't put together a puzzle like in the air, like it needs to set on something. And that's Jesus. He's more important than Dude, any of those pieces. Great, Dude, it connects well. But yeah. I mean, really though, like what I see from our kids is this idea that you could somehow walk with Jesus here, my bad. And in the same way, be committed to a sport or be mm-hmm. committed to an activity. I'm like, man, that's not the case. There's so. an equivalent, right? There, it's a, it's a piece, as you said. Yeah, and yeah. so like, yeah, I can miss church for two months because I'm on select baseball and, and we're on the road. And so I think what parents are unintentionally teaching their kids is that faith is casual, mm-hmm. and we know that it's not. Man, if faith is casual, they're going to be knocked on their face mm-hmm. left and right when they get into high school, when they get into college. Yeah. And so, you know, my goal in kids' ministry is to help kids see the real world and help them start taking some steps to own their faith by the time they get into sixth grade. Yeah. So that when, when we hand them off to our student ministry, one— um, whoever's leading them better be ready to lead them because yeah. they've been equipped. And then two, they're ready to face some of the things that come in middle school. Yeah. Yeah. How do you try to help empower parents to take more ownership over that vital and unique role that they have in the life of their kids? Yeah. So I think making them incredibly aware of the need and these places that are kind of slippery spots for kids, right? Mm-hmm. So this reality weekend, fourth and fifth graders are already asking questions about gender issues, about mm-hmm. sexuality, all those things. Parents kind of know it, but they don't realize how real it is. Right. And so, you know, we bring parents in in a weekend like that and say, here are the questions that your kids have asked this week. Like you had a kid that asked if it was okay for, you know, a girl asked, is it okay for her first kiss to come from a girl? Is it okay? And they're going, my fourth grader? What? fourth grader asked that. And we had fifth graders ask, is it okay, a boy, is it okay that I'm attracted to another boy? Like fifth graders asking that That's real. That's real. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if parents don't want to see it or they're distracted by so much activity that they don't. Um, But it's getting real Mm -hmm. for fourth and fifth grade. Wow. Yeah. And so we want to present that need to show like, hey, this stuff's going on. Yeah. And here's some steps we can take to push them to Christ. Wow. Yeah. It's crazy. Dude, some of the questions that come through, I'm like, what in the world is going on? I, well, like, I know what it was like when I was a kid. Yeah. But we didn't have all this stuff. We didn't have cell phones that you could access whatever, whenever you wanted to. Ugh. Well, and it's cool that you have you and your team have created an environment where kids feel safe asking those questions and that they're not going to somehow be called out or get in trouble. And so that's one of the things I appreciate about your leadership is you create an environment where they just can just be completely, you know, real. And there's, there's tons of just transparency that they feel like they can have. So 
Good job, man. man thanks for it. that, man. I'm it, grateful for your it leadership. It is a blast. It's a joy. Um, it's my favorite thing is to see light bulbs go off in kids where they start connecting dots. Like, yes, Jesus is throughout the whole Bible and he is like, he's for me and I need to be for him. Yeah. And when they get that, oh, it's such a beautiful thing. Yeah. I'm super grateful. Shannon and I are super grateful for the investment that you've made in our kids and how you've walked with us and Amen. created opportunities for us to have those conversations. So cool. And our youngest has a special bond with you. He, yeah, yeah. I think you guys see the world in very similar ways. <laughs> Love that dude. Yes. <laughs> anyway. All right. Well, you came here for a particular purpose to take and read the word of God. Yeah. Uh, so if you're, if you're listening and you're tuning into this podcast and it's maybe one of your first times, um, some good news for you. Uh, you are, you are listening in to two guys that have been transformed by an encounter with Jesus uh, he is real. We have experienced his presence and power in our lives. We come to this text, this book we call the Bible, because we believe it to be the actual word of God, that yeah. although written by men, it was inspired by God's Holy Spirit. And so it says what God wants us to know. And so we come to it wanting to wrestle with it and understand it, not just as a, a book, but as the very word of God. And so I invite you to join in. Uh, and the other good news is if you're joining us for the first time, and this is episode 45, that means you've got 43 other episodes. You get a binge, <laughs> listen, or watch, depending on where you're getting this podcast. And so uh, you'll get to hear from LJ multiple times in those uh, first 43 episodes. And uh, there's one in particular, if you go back and find it, where we... Maybe a little bit lean into LJ's voice oh and uh, get him to say phrases. <laughs> that, that... <laughs> I do remember that. Yeah. <laughs> that was yeah, one of baby. my favorites. Yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. Anyway, <laughs> so we're here. Uh, kind of joked with you that we haven't made it too far, um, but we are now um, yeah, traveling through the latter half of Mark. So it's broken up and it's got these chapter markers and verse markers. And the, and the codex was not something that was originally there, yeah. uh, but it was later put there so that there was an ease in navigating, identifying, um, tracking with where to find things. Yeah. And so we find ourselves in the latter half. And uh, what's been going on is, is as the disciples have recognized that Jesus is the Christ, in chapter eight, there's now this kind of repopulation of what it means to be his follower and what that means for the for the Christ. So two times now he has predicted that he will suffer yeah. and that he will die. And they don't get it. They don't the, the disciples are like, we you know, the first time Peter's like tries to rebuke Jesus for saying something like that. And Peter then gets rebuked. And a second time he predicts his death and resurrection. And they're like, no I don't know what that means. Like, what yeah. is that about? And so that continues to happen. Something else that's interesting is there's this, this will happen three times in the book of Mark that Jesus will now, after they confess he's the Christ, he then says the son of man or the Messiah has to go and suffer, die and rise again three times each time immediately thereafter there's a failure on the part of the disciples okay. of some sense okay and then he immediately tells them this is what it means to follow me and he gives them the cost of discipleship which is usually you're gonna have to suffer like me you're gonna have yeah. to die like me like this is what it means to follow me 
So he's giving this kind of, there's a shape to the kingdom of God. There's a shape to being God's people that is totally different than what they thought. Yeah. They thought, Hey, we're, we're on Michael Jordan's team now. Yeah. That means we win championships. That's what we That's do. Right. We get the dub. And he's like, you're on my team. We go and what it's going to look like to the world is we're going to utterly fail and lose. However, yeah. that's how we win. Yeah. And they're like, we don't get that. So there's been a lot of that going on. All righty. So here we are. We're in Mark chapter nine and we're in 42 and it's going to take us through the end of the chapter. So you're going to help me kind of close out chapter nine. Sounds good. And there's some just just some interesting things, like very non-Western ways of talking and thinking that occur in this. So yeah. super glad to have you here because we just get to think through it live. <laughs> I see the subtitle here, and I know it's not a part of the original text, but I think it's going to be fun. Yeah, it's going to be good. So here we are, uh, chapter 9, verse 42. And just so you guys know, um, one of the things that I encourage when coming to the scriptures is prayer to open and begin with asking the Lord to give insight, wisdom, and illumination, to, to just shed light on what this means. And that's yeah, something sure. that LJ and I did before we hit record on this. So yeah. certainly uh, want to encourage you in your reading um, to do that. So anyway, here we are, chapter 9, verse 42 in the Gospel of Mark. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to fall away it would be better for him if a heavy millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. And if your hand causes you to fall away, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than to have two hands and go to hell, the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to fall away, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to fall away, Gouge it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell, where there worms, a worm does not die and the fire is not quenched, for everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if the salt loses its flavor, how can you season it? Have salt among yourselves and be at peace with one another. <laughs> yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. <laughs> There's some warnings there. Uh, it's, so it's a little scary. It is. Yeah. It is scary. And we, I mean, with the simple, not that there's a simple text, but as, as always, we just start with, okay, what does this say? Let's yep. just start with the basics. There's things going on here that we go, okay, we need to make sure we know what that is saying. And, so the first thing that that sticks out to me is, but whoever. So this is a continuation. There, there's a, he's shifting gears from one idea to then kind of yeah. juxtapose it against another. And so that, but whoever comes from that, that passage just beforehand where uh, they had seen, the disciples had seen somebody driving out demons in the name of Jesus, and they tried to stop him. They're like, hey, there was this guy who was casting out demons in your name, and he, it was, he was being effective. And so we tried to shut it down. And um, Jesus has to tell him, look, you're not the only ones. Like, yeah. if someone's casting out demons in my name and it's working, that means he's one of us. He's on the team, even though he's not traveling with us. And anyone who does something like that in my name, 
it's not like they're going to be able to speak against me. They, they're yeah. for me. And yeah. so let them, let them be. And so this idea of stopping someone who's doing something in the name of the Lord, like he just shut that down. And so then he kind of says, but whoever, so he's going to take it further. So you're in this mode of shutting people down. Now just listen up. But whoever causes a little one, a child, yeah, one of the least of these to not believe or to fall away, that's a bad deal. It's a terrible deal. Okay. So there's some, some metaphors. Yeah. There's some illusions here. So let's just kind of walk through those. Maybe what are you seeing that we kind of need to know what that says? So, I mean, as a kid's pastor, obviously causing the little one to fail, like you mentioned, yeah, be better for that person. Basically have a rock tied to them and thrown into the sea. Yeah. A giant millstone. So that would have been one of those things that is super heavy. They would have had two of them. They put grain in between them and then they turn them somehow, either with livestock or a windmill and they're grinding. So these things are massive, like multiple strong men can't lift them. Yeah. You're not, you're not gonna be able to swim. Yeah. The idea is there's no escaping that. You're done. Yeah. You need to be drowned at the bottom of the sea. It'd be better for that to happen than you have a kid cause a child be led somewhere it shouldn't go. Okay. That's sobering. Mm. Then I think, how do you lead kids away from Christ? Right. How do you deceive a kid? It's easy to deceive kids. Um, Mm. There's maybe some by example, I don't know, but I want to be careful how I'm approaching and leading teaching kids and, and maybe not even just kids, anybody. Right. And then we get into all these other things that feel extreme. Yeah. And there, there, there seems to be this, like, there's almost like multiple topics being addressed here. Yeah. And so one of the things that I want to do is step back. Is there an overall theme to what he's talking about? There's this, if you, if you make a mistake or misstep in the way that you lead those that are very impressionable and you use your authority or your position over someone who has none in a way that leads them away from the Lord. Yeah. That's a bad deal. It's a bad deal. Then he starts talking about if your hand causes you to fall away. So now, so if, if the way that you are putting your labor, I don't know if you're the way that you're using your hand. So I don't think it's a literal, like, if your hand accidentally is just has a mind of its own, like a cat's tail and does something, (laughs) it's like, well, you should cut your hand off. But the idea is, is what you put your hands to how you work. Um, stealing, stealing. Yeah. Yeah. In the way that maybe abuse, uh, things of that nature, then you need to cut it off, cut off your hand. If that's, if that's a vehicle with which you're going to sin. Yeah. Now we have to get into, is he talking literally go chop your hand off? We'll talk about that. In a minute, huh? <laughs> um, he says, uh, it's better for you to enter life maimed than to have two hands and go to hell, the unquenchable fire. So then you have this allusion to eternal punishment um, or eternal separation from God. This idea of a place where you're going to suffer f- and feel physical suffering that does is never satisfied. Never it never ending. goes out. Yeah. It never goes out. And then he, he kind of emphasizes and takes us another step. 
not, no pun intended, if your foot causes you to fall away, mm-hmm. cut it off. How does your how would your feet like feet are where where you go? Where you travel? Are you it's a walk? good question. You go to places you shouldn't be. Maybe. And the general way in which you just walk through life. I don't yeah. know. But the same thing. It's cut it off. It's better than that than to only have one foot yeah. than to live in a way that's going to cause you to go to hell. And if your eye causes you to fall away, gouge it out. Gouge it out. Singular eye. Yeah. I mean, today's world, we can obviously talk about things that you see that you shouldn't be looking at, right? Um, but also think maybe what you're filling your mind with as mm-hmm. well. Because your eyes, for a lot of people, are the windows to what goes on internally. Be careful. Yeah, so it's it seems like there's this... There's an emphasis on hands, feet, eyes. So hands, what you do, yep. how you interact uh, with other people, with things, just kind of the way that you interact with, with stuff. Then there's the places you go. Yep. And your your paths, the way you know, the the roads that you trod or travel, and then there's what you look at and what you think about and what you let enter in your mind. Yeah. yeah that if those are, these are access points, these are ways in which you engage in things that would cause you to go contrary to Christ Yeah. down these roads. So there's this, if you, if you lead and exercise your authority in a way that causes someone else to fall away, like these kids, the least of yeah. these, that's a bad deal. It's better that you just get drowned. And then he takes a step further. If the way that you lead yourself with what you do, where you go, what you see yeah. and think about, it's take severe action in your life. Get serious about yeah. killing and sin because otherwise it will kill you. It will kill you. And I think, you know, there's this feel of like, geez, you want me to cut off my hand? Like you want me mm-hmm. to take my eye out? Yeah, I do. Right. Because that's how serious this is. Yeah. So there's a sense of hyperbole. Yes. Right? That it would not be uncommon for a Jewish rabbi to speak in hyperbole. That that is a mode of Hebrew teaching. That's so right. we have to recognize that this is a very eastern book. Yeah. And it's not a literal book necessarily and he's emphasizing the severity one needs to take you know this. Like yeah. it's a serious it's deal. Serious. You know, we have a tendency in the way that we view scripture or or really just law that's given to us of going, okay, how far can I get before I get to that point? Yeah. Can I get close to the edge without falling over it? So how close can I get before I have to cut my hand off? Mm. That's not the point. (laughs) Like that's clearly not the point, right? Like the, the point is stay away so that you don't get to that point. Yeah. Stay away from it. Don't get to that line. And, and there's an interesting, uh, you know, when you say that and you look at some of the ways in which at this time in Jewish history, the, the way in which the Jewish law had developed into more Jewish traditions that were just that, right? There would be clear laws in, in Leviticus and from Moses that were handed down like these, this is the, don't violate these. Yeah. So they would then heap up 
additional restrictions that weren't the law, but just kept people from getting too close to breaking the law. So they would put, if, if this is the cliff, well, 10 feet out, we're going to put this rule the and then 10 feet more, we're going to put this rule and this rule. So hopefully you always are about a hundred feet from the cliff because yep. there's 10 laws and traditions that if you violate and what started to happen is the Jewish authorities, rather than this being God's law, they, it started to just feel like all of those 10 traditions, those were God's law. I got you. And those traditions needed to be regarded in the same light as that original law yeah. because they started out as, hey, let's let's set up some barricades to keep us from getting too close to breaking yeah. the law. But then there was this heaping up of legalism on all of these, using these hu- human traditions. About it. Yeah. Yeah. And so then they were just being crushed under the weight of all these human rules and traditions. So that's an interesting point. Okay. So he keeps going. And then he kind of has this, there's almost like this third phase of, oh, um, he's talked about hell three times, okay? Your hand, cut it off. Yeah. It's better than, than that than going to hell. Your feet, foot, cut it off. It's better to have one foot than go to hell. I gouge it out. Better have one of those than go to hell. Then he says, um, he goes on to describe where their worm does not die and fire does not quench. So this kind of draws a picture, I guess, to this idea of when you're dead, worms constantly devouring your body mm-hmm. and fire constantly burning you. So there's this physical death and as well as a spiritual death that is going to occur. Yeah. And then he goes on, for everyone will be salted with fire which I think is an allusion to um, a sacrifice. Okay. This idea of fire and salt yeah. would have been a burnt offering kind of scenario where they would have salted sacrifices that were getting burned on the altar. Salt is good, but if the salt should lose its flavor, how can you season it? Have salt among yourselves and be at peace with one another. Okay, so... That kind of, so he gets into fire, and obviously there's allusions to punishment or eternal judgment in in hell. Yeah. Then salt, salted with fire. Then he literally turns to this idea of salt being good. Salt is has two kind of primary properties in the ancient world: flavor and yeah. preservative. Like yeah. it would preserve meat and would they flavor. Didn't have meat. fridges back then. No. Yeah. So there's there's kind of two qualities there. If salt should lose its flavor, how can you season it? And other translations say if salt loses its saltiness, yeah. right? It's it's thing that makes it what it is. And the reality is you can't make salt not salty. Yeah. Cuz then it's not salt anymore. Like by definition to be salt it has to be salty. Yeah. So there's this kind of um I guess rhetorical or I don't know. You, the answer being you can't. You can't. You, you can't, can't not be because then you're not salt. Yeah. If you salt loses its saltiness, it's not salt anymore. So he's talking to the disciples in all of this. Yeah. And it's they just came back going, Hey Jesus, there's this guy casting out demons and he, we don't worry, we got it. We mm-hmm. we got you covered. We, we we tried to shut him down and he's like, What are you doing? Guys, if someone's doing stuff in my name, 
first of all, they're on our team and they're not going to do things in my name and ex- and see this power go and somehow turn against me. Like they're going to be with us. Yeah. You're good. And furthermore, if you cause one of these little ones to fall away, it's better that that millstone get tied to you and you drown at the bottom yeah. of the sea. That's a better option for you. And as we're talking about this, you know, if your hands cause you to do, like, cut it out, like, shut down avenues that might cause you to live in a way that would result in you rejecting me and going your own way and finding whatever avenue of pleasure or fulfillment or identity outside of me. Like, it's better to to deal with that and get serious about killing avenues of sin and temptation in your life So than to go to hell. And because there... Worms never stop. Mm-hmm. Fire never stops. And you, you're, you're the salt. And if you stop being salty, you can't be salty again. Like you're the disciples are called to and believers called to flavor and preserve. Yeah. That's what I'm seeing. Are you seeing That's that? That's what I'm seeing. Okay. Yeah. And then the exact opposite of that would be everything leading up to it. Right. The opposite of being salt would be causing a little one to stumble and walk away. Mm. The opposite of salt would be allowing yourself to go into sin time and time again. The opposite of salt would be, you know, using your hands in ways that you shouldn't, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, so there's a a warning here that comes from Jesus. And so as I kind of wrestle with this and stand back and go, okay, what's the the thrust here? What What is the idea the big idea that we see here and there is this like it's very sobering about how we lead ourselves and conduct ourselves as followers of christ that don't be so concerned with what other people are doing and saying they're doing there's there's a deep concern we have to assess ourselves and how are we leading others and influencing and using the authority god's given us in whatever sphere we're in and the impact that it's having on the least and the most impressionable people. And also how are we, how serious are we about areas of our life that aren't aligned with the Lord? Mm-hmm. And how willing are we to, to maybe make it difficult in order to engage? I had a roommate in college who, or a friend, we, we were never roommates, but he really struggled with, um, the stuff that he would look at online yeah, really struggled. Yeah. And I remember one day he, or one evening he comes back, he comes over to our house and he's, he's been outside and he's kind of breathing heavy. And I'm like, what's up? And he's like, I had to take care of something. I'm like, what, what'd you have to go take care of? He had taken his laptop, which he needed for school and he went and took it to a field with a baseball bat just and just just handled it. Like he tore that thing up. And he he's like, I guess I'm using the computer lab from here on out. Because he was Let's like, go, man. it's it's real. Yeah. And so to what length are you willing to go to shut down avenues of temptation and sin yeah. in your life that are going to lead you to believe that somehow you're going to be more satisfied in that than in the Lord? That yeah. you're going to have a, a more fulfilled identity in that instead of the Lord. Like, yeah. But for him, right? Like, dude, you need your laptop. How are you going to get your schoolwork done? Like now you're stuck to when the computer lab's open. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's going to be hard, but I need to get away from my sin. 
it's yeah. better than that than to exactly go go down. If that I path. cut off one of my feet, like how am I gonna get from point A to point B? I don't know. It's gonna be hard, but it's better for me to do this than to yeah. continue to go in my sin. Like I, I see that parallel pretty clearly. Yeah. There's there's something about this idea of dying to self um, and following Christ that's real. And sometimes, most of the time, it means that there's a sacrificial way that we have to live. Mm-hmm. And I think I think sometimes we immediately go to the things that we need to give up, right? Like, um, I need to be more generous with my, my money. I need to be more generous with my time. I need to get, you know, break down that awkward wall to get to know my neighbor. Um, but I think sometimes we fail to look internally and say, like, where may I be misstepping? And what steps do I need to take to walk in the right way? And and nobody wants, I mean, it's not fun. And there are steps that maybe we have to take that others don't. Just because of our disposition, our yeah. past, there's oh, for sure, uh, proclivity towards certain sin that means we just don't get to do that. And maybe everyone else does, but that that's where we get to die to self. That's where we have to suffer. I had a, a mentor of mine one time, um, and, I, and he always, he, just drove kind of regular run of the mill, no fancy car or whatever. And I remember um, we were driving one time and, and we see this kind of red sports car. I'm like, that's sweet. You ever want to get one of those? He goes, I can't. I was like, what? He said, uh, when I was in high school, I had a, a really nice red sports car. No way. And the way that I drove it and who I thought I was when I was in that car was not like Jesus. And so I went to my dad and said, dad, I can't have this. And so he got rid of the car and he's like, "What?" In the he world? goes for myself. I, I can't have nice cars. Yeah. That's just not, that's a, that's me cutting off my hand or my foot or my eye. And basically he'd recognized about himself that maybe others can and be fine with it. But for me, my identity gets wrapped in that and that's not like Jesus. And so I just don't get to have nice cars. Okay. I was like, go. Oh, that's it was so interesting because then I was like, what is the stuff that I can't have because of who I become or how I start to see myself or identify outside of Christ that maybe other people are fine with? Yeah. And so very interesting. Concept. And you know, what's I, I love that, um, you know, it's scary for ourselves is how quickly we can deceive ourselves into thinking I'm, I'm not to that point yet. Mm-hmm. You know, like I might be getting close to that line, but I'm not there yet. We're still good. Like, Oh, be careful. Like be really careful. And yeah. I think that's why this idea of community is so important because if I hear my brothers and sisters that are confessing sin or taking intentional steps mm-hmm. to get away from sin, I'm going to be more willing to look at my life. But more importantly, I'm going to have people around me that help me see things that I can't see. Yeah. And maybe that's not what it's referring to here in the last sentence. But I think there's an element of community that's really important. Like mm-hmm. where it says, have, have salt among yourselves and be at peace with one another. Right. There's something about being together that's really important in this whole thing. Yeah. There's an accountability. There's eyes that see things about you and who you are Yeah. that you don't see yourself that can go, hey, I notice that that your eyes causing you to sin in this area. Yeah. But you're called to be salt. Yeah. Don't lose your saltiness, man. Amen. 
And then I think another thing that's relevant to bring up in today's world is like the Jesus that the Bible portrays Jesus to be. Like in within the Austin area, make friends all the time that are fans of Jesus because of how he lived among people mm-hmm. and how he's a man of peace and all these things. But it's like we fail to read all that Jesus actually said. And here he's talking about sin and he's being serious about sin. He's talking about the consequence of sin being hell. Mm-hmm. We don't like to talk about that. Yeah. So e- even among people who, who may not follow Christ, like we've got to be careful what we believe about Jesus, even when we're with them, that we're not led or deceived to believe something that's not true. Yeah. That's a good call. Sin is serious. Sin is serious. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking like, what do I have in my heart right now that I need to let go, that mm-hmm. I need to go before the Lord? Yeah. And get serious about killing it before yeah. it kills you. Yeah. Yeah, buddy. And there's, it circles back to when we do that and we're transparent about that, even with our own kids, that helps them follow the Lord rather than us just pretending like that stuff isn't an issue. And they go, well, my dad did that. It's fine. Maybe the way someone handles alcohol, maybe the way that they handle downtime, maybe the way they handle money and your kids see you behaving in that way. Or other young believers see you behaving with that stuff in a way that is not consistent with the scriptures. That's going to be causing them to go off track. Yeah. And and so there's a mindfulness about how serious you are about killing the sin in your own life. Yeah. With the help of the Lord and the Holy Spirit. And oftentimes that's the way it happens, right? There's this community aspect of people that see you and kind of recognize things. But then there's also the conviction of the Lord. Working in you. Yeah. Where you like. Mm, I shouldn't have done that, man. I shouldn't watch that movie. I shouldn't, you know, whatever. But, and so there's this kind of, yeah, sweet way in which the Lord internally and externally is going to reveal those things. So I think the challenge, like you said, for me is I'm taking inventory. What are those things? And not that I need to somehow get out a spreadsheet and start kind of listing them all, but I need to be authentic before the Lord and say, Lord, please search me. You know, my heart. You know my thoughts, you know my life, you know where to, what I look at, you know what I do with my hands, you know where my feet go. Show me stuff that I need to deal with so that I experience the fullness of the life you have for me. Yeah. Because there, these things are going to limit my ability to experience joy yeah. as I follow him. But like you said, it's sacrifice too. It, there's a suffering involved in following the Lord, meaning I'm going to die to flesh. I'm, there's going to be things I want that I see others get to have that I may not get to have, I may not get to do, and I've got to be willing to suffer yeah. because it's totally worth it. It's so worth it. It's totally worth and it. And think about an athlete getting ready for something, or if you're just getting better at running and you want to do more, or you're changing your diet. Like, man, how often do you want to go back? Or like, you know, you're having lunch with coworkers and you're like, man, that ice cream that they brought looks really good. Or, if you work in a church office, people are always bringing cookies, cake, or whatever. Donuts. It's all, yeah. donuts all the time, right? <laughs> and I, I know, like, it's trivial, but it's hard for some people to say no to that stuff, man. Like, you, you want to give into it because it's good. It feels good. Like, if, if you're walking with Christ and you're looking around what other people get to do and you're thinking, man, I don't get to do that, you're right. And mm-hmm. I know that's hard. However, you're, you're going to walk into heaven 
owning your faith in a way that God worked through you. And that is better than indulging yourself in whatever those types of things are. Mm -hmm. It may not feel like it in the moment, but it's not about how you feel in the moment. It's about you honoring the Lord. Amen. Um, one of the things I love about my Mm father-in-law, even before he became my father-in-law, um, he, he lived in such a way where if, if he was made known of sin that he committed or may have committed against someone or maybe within himself that he's seen, he is a person that would come back and apologize to people about whatever happened. Mm. And man, his example of doing that to my wife uh, is really powerful for me. And so I try to make it a point among my kids that when I sin against them, um, that I come back and apologize and say, here's where I messed up and, and here's the right way to live according to the Lord. And I want to make a commitment to do that. Mm. I think even that step when we talk about leading kids or leading other people is huge. Mm-hmm. And I see how this plays into that. Yeah. Cause it's not like people don't see the misstep. Yeah. And so the moment that we're vulnerable and, and we risk it by admitting our mess up, everyone wins because now they're like, okay, you're not a hypocrite. Yeah. You're going to live in light of this standard that is as before you to the extent that you're willing to admit it. And you admit that you're not perfect because none of us believe you're perfect because we all see yeah, what you did. Exactly. And so yeah. That's, and how freeing to a kid like, Oh, my dad's a human too. Like, mm. I can handle my failures if if I see how he handles his failures, yeah, you know? Yeah. That's a good call. Man, LJ, thanks for being here today. Yeah. This was good. I always love it. I always love getting to have you on the podcast. If you're listening to this podcast or watching and anything came up that kind of, man, didn't make sense or maybe we didn't get into something to the depth that you wanted, um, you can always email takeandreadpodcast at gmail.com. If you have questions for LJ, I'll make sure that he gets those and sees those. Uh, but just want to encourage you, we, we truly believe this to be the word of God. And, and we brought up and talked about some topics today, like hell, which is not very popular in the world, but we do believe that's a place. We, we think that the scriptures reveal that we, we understand the reality that there is certainty in this life that we will all die. That is a fact. What we believe is that we don't, that's not the end that that God has revealed there is, there is a life that exists after our physical life here ends. And there's two roads there. There's one that leads to destruction and hell and eternal separation from the Lord. And there's one in which you experience the joy and the blessing of being in the presence of the Lord for Mm -hmm. eternity. And that this life is just a mist. This is a brief experience and that that is a forever thing. And that, as Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, that there is only one way to avoid that other place. And so encourage you as you wrestle with the text, and and if this is something you've wrestled with for the first time, we believe it. It has transformed our lives. We believe it to be 100% true that Jesus of Nazareth was a real man. He revealed himself to be not only man, but also God in the flesh. He lived a perfect life. He died, and then he rose again. He mm-hmm. demonstrated his victory over sin and death by rising from the dead. He spent time with his disciples for about a month and a half teaching them about the kingdom of God and what it means to follow him. 
and then he ascended into heaven and we believe he will come again at the end of the age. And so all of these things are things that we believe as men, as Christians, as followers of the Lord. And if you have questions about any of that, please email me. But I encourage you from here on out to go take and read the word of God. Blessings. Blessings.